in this series called Bullies in My Brain, and we've talked about a variety of different topics. And for time's sake, uh, I'll try to not go through a lot of recap. But we have been saying this, that the enemy... We believe there is an enemy. We started off with spiritual warfare. We said, we believe there is an enemy. The scripture calls him the accuser of the brethren. We also know he's the great deceiver. He wants to whisper things in our brains and say things to us that bully us. And so if you missed any of those messages, you can go back, check those out on Apple Podcasts or on our YouTube page and the website. Uh, But today specifically, we're talking about the bully of rejection. And I know many of you are thinking, man, service has gone long already. You know, how long is he going to preach? And I have four points for you today. And I get to go as long as I want because the Lions play on Monday night. And if you're one of those weirdo bear fans, your game isn't until Sunday night. So really, I'm good to go for quite a while. So, um, but let me pray. Let me pray for this sermon and uh, ask God to speak to us. And then we'll jump into some thoughts on rejection. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that we're not left on earth to do it by ourselves. God, even as we talked about last week, you sent us the Holy Spirit, our helper. Uh, The word is advocate. Uh, Lord, you're with us and for us. And so, God, I thank you that through this word and this truth, you're going to speak to us, motivate us, even convict us so that we can be the people you called us to be. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Talking about rejection. Rejection hits a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And I think maybe if you're a guy in here, you're like, nah, bro, I'm tough. Like, I don't care about rejection. You know, girls, g- girls, they, they deal with rejection. They get more upset about rejection. And the reality is like all of us actually deal with it differently. Like you might say like, nah, bro, I don't care about rejection. I don't care about people. But if you actually looked at like when you have an anger episode, when you have a blow up, or maybe when you say something like, I'm sick of this, it's probably actually a starting point of some sort of rede- rejection you're experiencing. So everybody in the room, anyone who's hearing this or listening online, all of us deal with rejection, which means all of us need to know what God's word says about rejection. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but there's really kind of three places that you find yourself with rejection. You've either just come out of a season of rejection or you're in the middle of a season of rejection or you're about ready to get rejected. And uh, yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. So amen. Much love. See you next week. But with that being said, it it means that, hey, we ought to really know what the Bible says about rejection and how we walk through it. And we have a story of Joseph who gives us some great principles about how to walk through rejection. But it matters that we learn how to deal with rejection. Nobody's good at rejection. Nobody's good at it. It's not like you say, hey, you know what? Rejection doesn't bother me. No, rejection affects all of us. But I will tell you this today. As much as rejection isn't like, oh, we can, oh, I can handle that. You might not ever learn to be able to handle it, but I'll I'll say it to you this way. You can learn how to deal with it. Like it's going to happen. It's going to hurt. It's going to be a part of our life. But I also think we can get truths to learn how to handle it. As a pastor, I've seen so many different circumstances and so many different things happen to so many different people. And in that, it's amazing to see, man, some people have these experiences and they go this way. Some people have the same exact experience and they go this way. Some people have things happen to them and they lean into God and they trust God through their pain or their rejection or this negative outcome and they grow closer to God through it. Some people stay bitter and they don't get better and they fall further away from their purposes. It matters how we learn to handle some of these things that happen to us in life. Amen. 
And so we want to be a people who grow toward our purpose, not away from it. We want to be better, not bitter. Uh, Jess and I are watching this documentary on, uh, it's a Marine or a Navy SEALs girl. She's getting trained to learn how to go in on like these suicide missions. And they put her through all the rigorous physical tests. And so she's got to learn how to, all this intense training and physical things and weapons and all this kind of stuff she learns. But none of that mattered to them until they got to this one point. They said, we can't put her out here on this mission. There's way too much on the line. We have to find what her breaking point is psychologically and emotionally, because if we don't know what breaks her and we can't heal her in that, we're all going to fall apart. And so what they did is they said, there has to be things in her life, things that happen to her, rejection points in her life, that if those are unhealed, unhealed, those are going to be her breaking points. Same thing in our life. You can have all the money you want. You can have all the success you want in business. You can have all of these things. But if you have rejection points and unhealed places in your life, those will eventually become your breaking point. Statistically, they tell you that the average American will experience about seven major rejections in their life. Seven major rejections in your life, like devastating rejections, like hard, harsh rejections. But what's crazy about that is they say you will experience thousands of acceptances and acts of love and celebration, yet you will spend the majority of your life making decisions and filtering your entire life through those seven rejections. Dude, thousands of good, godly, celebratory experiences you have, people who love you and care for you, and every wall you build, everything you put up is filtered through these few experiences. They even say it about bullies. Remember going to school, if you had a bully, maybe a bully on the bus, bully in the school, you would be like, I don't want to go to school today because of that one person. But you probably had dozens who actually wanted you to be there and love you. Same thing with these bullies in our brains. It's like we have these few things, but you have so much more for you. We got to learn how to not let these rejections take us out. Joseph's, Joseph's story gives us the example about how to deal with rejection in a biblical way. We know that Joseph is the dreamer. We see that God gives Joseph a dream that he's going to be second in command to Pharaoh. He's going to be over all of Egypt. And at the end of the story, he's going to save all of God's people. And so we'll kind of follow his story here in Genesis and we'll take four points uh, from his life. Genesis 37, five says this, says Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. It didn't say that they celebrated him when he told them the dream. It doesn't say that they said, yeah, dude, we got your back. That's amazing. I'm glad you got that dream. It said that they hated him all the more. And what's hard is rejection that hurts the most usually comes from those that are closest to us. I don't care what a bystander says, but if I come to someone I love and I tell them a dream or I tell them a passion or they tell them something going on and they reject me, they hate me all the more, that's a deep pain. So Joseph is experiencing this in verse 18. It says a little bit later in the story, they see Joseph coming again. It says, but they saw him in the distance and before they reached them, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. They said to each other, come now let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They're literally mocking his dreams. They're not celebrating him. They're not saying, we'll stand in your corner. They hate him so much that they want to kill him and mock the dream in his heart. It's a pretty high level of rejection. I don't think this is just someone who took his parking place. These are people who greatly, greatly offended him. This isn't somebody who maybe made a bad Facebook update. Can you see what they said about, you believe what they said about me on Facebook? 
No, this is, this is a family who plotted to kill him. Scripture says it threw him in a cistern, which we would call a modern day well. They found this dark place, this place that didn't have water. They took him and they threw him down in this deep place. And the hard part about rejection, if you've ever been or you're in a rejection season, those rejection seasons feel empty, don't they? Just like that cistern, like, man, I'm in it and I'm alone and it's dark and it's crazy. But Joseph is going to give us the example that even in those moments, God can heal us and restore us. Are you with me today? So verse 28 says this. So when the Midianite merchants came by, the brothers pulled Joseph, Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So here's Joseph. He's down there. His brothers just threw him down there. He feels unsupported. He feels rejected. He's probably in the greatest pain he's ever experienced in terms of psychological. He has a dream. He's all the way up here and his family reacts to it like this way. He's down there, but then he hears movement. Oh, hey, someone's coming for me over here. Oh, it's my brothers. Oh, oh, they're getting me out. Perfect. They're getting me out. I'm sure they've slept on it. I'm sure they've thought about it. They've wised up. They're going to apologize. That's what's going to happen right now. Because a lot of times when we get rejected, we think like, oh, surely they're going to come around. And next time I see them, they're not going to hold on to it anymore. And then they still do. And it feels like another layer of rejection. How many know what I'm talking about? So they get them up out of there. And instead of apologizing, they say, hey, how about we sell you? So they sell them. I thought about it like this. Rejection happens to the best of us, but it doesn't have to get the best of us teenagers. High school is hard and you're probably going to face some rejection and it's going to happen to you and it's going to get, it happens to the best of us, but it doesn't have to get the best of you. Genesis 39, let's keep going. So now he's sold off. The scripture says in Genesis 39, one, it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites and had taken him there. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When the master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the household and entrusted him to care over everything he owned. Think about this. Joseph, hey, this is the dream. You're going to be second in charge. You're going to save God's people. This is what you're going to do over here. He couldn't find himself in a more opposite situation than this word over here. Oh, you're going to be in charge of everything. Psych, you're now a slave. He's going like, what? Think of all of the rejections. God, you said this, and he's been rejected all the way to here. But the scripture said that God was with him and he prospered. Let's keep going. I thought about it like this. You might be here going like, ah, oh, all of these rejections have happened to me. Point number one is this. How do we overcome rejection in a biblical way? We respond to the rejection by recognizing God's presence. Scripture says that the Lord was with them and he prospered. You might be here and it's your family who's rejected you. Your friends have rejected you. The boss continues to reject you. Maybe even kids have rejected you, whatever it is. God has not rejected you. God has not rejected you. That's the first thing we need to see with Joseph is like all these other people may have rejected him, but the one who matters most has not rejected him. It says that God's presence was still with him. You remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Joshua, 
Scripture says that God says to Joshua, everywhere you put your foot, God's going to give you, and I'm going to be with you always. And we're like, yeah, God's with us, all this. But how many rejections did I share that Joseph or Joshua had to go through? He had 13 battles. He had overcome 31 kings. He faced so much rejection to the plan that God had for him. But what was God's promise to Joshua? I'm with you the whole way. What did we preach about last week? Scripture says that Jesus said, hey, I'm sending you an advocate, a helper, and he's going to be with you always. Always. When you're rejected, when you feel alone, when no one else in your corner, the one who matters most is in your corner. He's with you. That's why Psalm 34, 18 says it this way. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Like in the middle of your rejection, God is close to you. His presence is with you. The scripture says, in a slave condition, God prospered Joseph. You're like, ah, oh, but I hate this rejection. Yeah, but God's with you, and that's what matters most. Yeah. Let's keep going. Uh, I love in John 16, I shared it with you this week, or last week, um, and I'm going to say it again the same way I did last week. Jesus is like, hey, in this world, ton of stuff you're not going to like. <laughs> Bunch of stuff's going to happen. Betrayal, offense, rejection. You're going to have all these troubles. You're going to have all these troubles. Like, pastor, be more positive. Okay, I'm positive. You're going to have trouble. That's what I said last week, right? It's just like, I'm positive. You're going to have all these things. But Jesus says, guess what? Have comfort because guess what? I've overcome it all. This rejection that you feel like is going to kill you. God is like, I've already overcome it all and I have a plan. No, no, you don't understand. I'm the least of these. I'm in a slave condition right now. I'm like the least of least. I feel like I'm worth nothing, but I'm with you and I can prosper you even in this season. He's with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. When people reject me, I remember that God is with me. And I'm going to tell you this. There's going to come a season when people have observed your life and they're going to be like, I remember when you got rejected so hard. I can't believe everybody walked out on you and look how good you're doing right now. Every plan you had, every dream, every hope you had all got rejected and and, and look at you now. You're doing so good. How are you doing so good? You get to say, oh, God never left me. He never left me in that season. He was with me, even though it looked like I was at a slave condition and I was at the bottom of it all. God was with me. I think it helps us to remember this. People are mean, but God is good. People are mean. People are mean. Hurt people hurt people. And if we can keep the perspective in rejection that people are mean, but God is always good. Scripture says that he was walking in success. He got, he got there and he began to work as a slave. And the scripture says that he was walking in success and in prosperity. It didn't say that he was sulking. It didn't say that he was walking in sadness, telling everybody what happened. Hey, how's it going, Joseph? Well, you don't know what happened to me. See this? This is from the cistern when they threw me down in the... Telling everybody the story. Instead, he served with excellence. He trusted God. He, he believed God had a plan for him, even in his rejection. How do we overcome rejection in a biblical way? Point number two, we respond to rejection by moving forward. We have to be a people who move forward. That's why the scripture says the children of God, God's people are these kind of people. We go from faith to faith, glory to glory. We're always looking for the new that God has for us. We lay hold of what he has ahead of us. If you're stuck in your past, you can never walk into your future. We can't let rejection and offense and unforgiveness just freeze us in our place. That's why the scripture says, hey, you want to know who's fit for the kingdom? The ones who put their hand to the plow and don't look 
back. Back. We have to walk forward. It's not like we, we never get healed of and we never look for uh, healing and restoration of the things that happen behind us. We do. But we do it with the intention of that. This is going to help me go forward in what God has for me. Psalm 43, 18 says, for the former things, forget the former things, forget the former things. And then it says, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Because it's possible for us to miss it. He's saying, hey, do you not see it? Well, how do you not see it? It's because you're looking at the wrong stuff. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness in streams in the wasteland. Do you know why your, your uh, windshield, your front windshield on your car is so much bigger than your rear view mirror? It's because you're, you're meant to, when you're driving, spend a lot more time looking out the front. I, I didn't say down on your phone. I said out in the front. You have a huge windshield up here because what matters most is where you're going and what's in front of you. Just every once in a while, you need to take a little glance at the tiny little thing up here to take a look at what's happening behind you. We got so many Christians that do all of their driving spiritually in the rearview mirror. Could you imagine if I tried to leave my house and drive all the way to work only looking in the rearview mirror? It would be a disaster and a casualty, wouldn't it? So many Christians are doing the same thing, rehearsing the past, trying to drive with everything that happened behind them, and they missed what God has in front of them. We have to be a people like Paul, who said in Philippians 3.13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, love that he used the word straining, efforting toward what is ahead. Ah, but I got sold into slavery and I got rejected and I got thrown down in the deep place and I had all of these rejections, I had all these things. Okay, we're going to forget all these things because we're going to strain for the good plans that God has ahead. Uh, This is a terrible example, but this happens to me sometimes. And I I think I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty weird guy about like smells and things like that. And so sometimes I occasionally make the mistake of like just grabbing a cup that's on the counter and pouring new drink into it. And then sometimes in that drink was like something the Peasleys sold Jess. So it's like crushed rocks and cow, cow regurgitated grass, you know, like, and, and so I'll pour my Coke in there or a Mountain Dew and I'm like, what is in here? You guys think that's a joke. Basically, all that's true. Oh, I forgot one thing. Like raw liver. What do you guys eat? What is it? Like this blood scene that Cody was doing right here, that's nothing compared to Jess's vitamin routine. My life is twilight without as much romance. I don't know. I've never seen it. I'm Christian. But you take this cup, it's got this old stuff in it, and you try to do the new season, and you're like, I just ruined both. Oh, right? Come on, like, I, I have got to take the time to do the cleansing and get the healing and, and remove the things of the past so that I can lay hold of all that God has for me now. Uh, I wrote it down like this. If you don't deal with the trauma of your past, rejection, offense, unforgiveness, whatever you're dealing with, if you don't deal with the trauma of your past, your friends, your family, and your children will have to deal with it in their future. We have to get healed because we don't want to pass this on. It's frustrating what happened to you. I'm so sorry some of the things that happened to you and happened to me. But the worst thing that we can do is let those things remain unhealed. And the enemy gets to get that pain into two generations. Let's not let him do it twice. Let's get healed in it now. Are you with me? Let's let him turn the, what was meant for evil to good now. Are you with me? 
there's this picture that like none of you will know how this works, but let me explain it to you. This is Netflix. And um, if you don't have Netflix, you're probably still rewinding tapes at home. But uh, at the end of a Netflix show, you, you, you are excited. It's like a cliffhanger. Like, are they going to die? Uh, what's going to happen? Are they going to? And so as soon as an episode ends, you're like at the edge of your seat. And so this little button comes up over here. And I think it gives you like five seconds underneath and it starts the next episode. But no one can even wait the five seconds. Like, I got to get to the next episode. So you quickly click next, and it takes you into the next episode. Then I thought to myself one day, what even is the other button? I know there's another button. What is the other button? And so then I looked at it closely, and it says, watch credits. And I thought, who in their right mind, when you could get to the next thing, the exciting thing, the full purpose of God, what he has next, who in their right mind would go to the watch credits? And I thought to myself, you know what? Most of us are doing that. God has so much for us in our necks. And we're like, well, hold on. I want to go back and rehearse all the people that did this and all the characters that did that. And you say, no, pastor, that's not me. I don't rehearse the past. I don't go over all of the things and the cast and the credit. Oh, yeah, you do. Because when I meet you, you say, um, at our last church, we did this. And that when you start telling me all the characters and all the cast. And I tried to go to a small group one time. But this one lady hurt me and they wouldn't let me do that. I mean, I'm telling the truth today. I just met you and you're telling me all the cast and credit of your last episode. It's time to go to the next episode. It's time to trust God. I've been rejected. I've been offended. I've been hurt. But God's got great plans for me. Are you with me today? It's time to click next episode. Point number three, how do we overcome rejection in a biblical way? We respond to rejection by trusting God's redirection. Ah, Joseph knew that he was going to end up in a palace, but he found himself in a prison. That's a pretty bad redirection. He's going to be in command. He's going to be, he's in the command actually of the most wealthy, prosperous thing at the time is what the dream would have said about the condition he would have been in. And then this guy's got to go into a cistern. He's got to go through a prison. He's got to be in slavery. All of these things were God's redirection. I guarantee you, he wouldn't have wrote it that way. He wouldn't have wrote it that way. And I thought about the psalmist and the prophet named Garth Brooks. He says this. He says, some of God's greatest gifts are on it. Where we said, oh God, I just want it to be like this. I wish it would be like this. I wish it would be like this. And then it's not like that. And all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're like, oh, thank God it's not that. Oh, phew. I remember you pray, oh God, I just want to marry this girl. If you would just give me this girl, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. If you can just do this. And all of a sudden, 10 years over here, you're like, oh, thank God I didn't marry that girl. <laughs> that would have been a trouble. That would but in my life, I remember different seasons in ministry where you're just praying your guts out. I remember being in churches that were dysfunctional and you're saying, God, move and change the leadership. Make a way for us. And other churches we've been at, like, God, make a way for us. God, we want to see things change. And they didn't. But if they would have changed then, we would never be here now. And so you look back and you say, oh, God, I understand. And if I'm going as far as enough to say some of the biggest and best unanswered prayers in my life are now the strongest foundations in the most fertile soil of the most fruitful things I have in my life now are these redirections that God did in my life. Some of life's greatest setbacks are God's greatest setups. Can I get an amen? Most of our life is, if we're being honest, most of our life is a result of God redirecting our rejections. We experience rejections and God redirects. If we're being honest, this whole room, that's your story. 
As I'm, I am where I am now because God took the times I was re rejected or pushed aside and God redirected me into the place that I'm in now. Yeah. We're really just a room full of rejects is what we are. <laughs> Who's playing, Drake? Turn it up. <laughs> it is Drake. Let's go. Brad, your playlist is on. <laughs> going to be our best walkout music ever. <laughs> I, I don't know Drake. I've studied about him to know what the kids are saying. This is a fun service. Blood and... <laughs> in New Zealand, in New Zealand, uh, if you go to New Zealand, you can Google this later. No, I'm not lying. But if you go in New Zealand, you'll notice that New Zealand is known for its flightless birds. There's flightless birds all over the place. And so when you ask, how did so many bird species end up flightless in New Zealand? They tell you it's because in Zealand, the entire country is pretty much predatorless. No snakes, no gators, no things like that. So these birds have never been pushed to fly to their full potential. They've never been agitated by a rejection or a redirection. And so because of that, they've just learned to not live up to their full potential. And I think sometimes God uses these things in our life. He puts us through the pit and he puts us through the prison and he puts us to the thing because it's the thing that's actually going to push us to the palace. It's these redirections. It's these things. For centuries, they got comfortable on the ground and they no longer fly anymore. Point number four, my last point, I'll close with this. We respond to rejection by choosing forgiveness over revenge. It's not good, Andrew. We hate it. I, I wanted to delete it. I didn't even want to preach the fourth point because revenge feels better. <laughs> we like revenge. Let's be honest. We want to get them back. We, you hurt me. You rejected me. Now I'm going to get you back. I'm going to go to revenge, revenge. We like revenge. Revenge is not the way. We see uh, in the story, I'll read you here in just a minute, but before I read you this part in Genesis 50, it says that Joseph's brothers now realize that Joseph is in that place of his dream. He's, he's in that place of command, and they're going to go before him. And so their conversation back and forth to each other, they say this, they say, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? They're freaking out. What if, because revenge is the world's way and they expect that that's what they're going to get. But Joseph gives us a great teaching on how to biblically overcome rejection. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. He says this, don't be afraid. All of those things actually put me in the place of God, the place God had for me. He says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. It wasn't revenge. He didn't get them. He didn't get in a Facebook war and fight over all the thing. You go back and forth. He instead says to him, like, look, all of this got me to where God needs me. And scripture says he spoke kindly of them. And scripture said that he even what? Offered to take care of them. So for us, it's like, hey, I, I forgive you. Now you don't gotta make them be best friends again. Like, hey, I forgive you and I'm gonna take care of you. We're good, let's be good. 
Peter was like, no, how much forgiveness? Peter was like, but how much forgiveness? He's saying to Jesus, how much forgiveness do we have to do? And he's like, throws out a number. And Jesus goes back to him and goes, no, here's how much forgiveness you have to extend when people reject you. Peter said, you extend 70 times 70. That's 490 forgivenesses when people reject you. Some of you are like, well, I'm at like 300, I guarantee you. <laughs> well, so if you, if you got 491, you're good. But I don't think that you're quite there. So we forgive and we forgive and we choose forgiveness over acceptance. And here's why, my, my last thought. I've heard it said like this, holding on to unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You're so mad. You're so upset. I can't believe that they, and every day it's just poisoning your life. You can't step into the future that God has for you because you're bitter, 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 bitter. And it starts to affect your health. And it starts to break you down. It breaks your family dynamic down. And it breaks your future and your hope down because you have all this unforgiveness. And, but you think by holding on to it, somehow it's going to get them. No, we, we, we can't drink that poison. We have to choose forgiveness over revenge. Are you with me? I said in this series that I don't think it's possible. It's kind of a, a dumb statement because it contradicts itself. I don't think it's possible for one sermon to completely change your life and fix everything. However, at the same time, I believe just one word from God can change everything. Amen. So I say that to say, if we hold to these truths and believe that we can live these things, it will change your life. But at the same time, it's probably good for us to get some counseling talk to some people, make sure we're healing those places in our life so that our breaking point isn't exposed. So my mother-in-law's back there. She's sitting in the back wave. Everybody, you can, this is my mother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, she's got a counseling place just down the hallway called Vertical Healing Center. You can find some details about that on our website or just talk to her. Um, we also think winning at home is great right here in Zealand. And you can go talk to somebody. People say, bro, I don't need counseling. I don't need help. I don't need therapy. The most successful people out there Fortune 500 companies, athletes, celebrities, whatever, anybody in a high, I guarantee you they have people they're talking to. Why is it? When we're carrying the message of the gospel, the most powerful thing, why wouldn't we want to be in our top shape? Go in and share and encourage and get the help. Amen? Let me pray for you as well. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your way. God, I thank you that this is truth. These aren't man's ideas or opinions, but God, these are your truths. God, help us to live them. God, I pray for anyone in the season of rejection right now. God, I pray that you show your presence strong to them. They may feel alone. They may feel in a dark place. They may feel forgotten by everyone, but God, show them how good you are. God, I thank you that you're going to give us the power by your spirit to forgive and choose forgiveness over revenge. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.